nothing is quite like watching a Blue Jackets Penguins game for me. Um, I'm excited. I'm standing most of the game. Every moment of it, I'm just on the edge of my my seat and my nerves on what will happen when they win. I'm as high as I can be when they lose. It, it feels like my soul has been crushed. And and those games are just have that extra something in it for me. Now, if you're looking for a way to get that little extra excitement in any game or or you're wanting to look at a way of, of saying, hey, I think I understand hockey better than, than other people, and you want to look at turning that into a little bit of cash, uh, we've got our friends here at the, the Hockey Podcast Network at mybookie.ag. Now, the guys at mybookie.ag, they give you so many ways to win, so many games to play, everything from obviously picking winners and losers to picking division winners to picking who's going to win a cup or just prop bets like who's going to score the next goal, all sorts of stuff. MyBookie has the best payouts and better odds than a lot of sports books do. You can risk a lot or as little on as many games as you want, so it really fits what you want to do with it. Now, And with Christmas around the corner, there's daily gifts, free plays, free spins, a lot more on the site there. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. That means if you deposit $100, you'll get an extra $50 to play with. Deposit $200, you get an extra $100. You get it. Just use the promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN, to activate the offer and take advantage of this great deal. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get money. This is the Shoot Once Podcast. I'm Frank Walker. Welcome back, everyone, to the Shoot Once Podcast. Hey, this is exciting. We have actual hockey to talk about. It has been a while. Um, you've you've borne with me through a couple of shows talking All Star Game, and then last week's just kind of kind of putting out out there the ideas of where the team stands currently. But jumping into the show for for uh, for today, starting like we always do with uh, Dom's projections and rankings and whatnot. He has got the Blue Jackets at a fifty six percent chance to make the playoffs right now. Uh, and to finish the season at 96.7 points. Now, his numbers are, his numbers, we've talked about this in, in other times, but his numbers are very static in that they, because they take years of projections into effect or years of stats into effect, it's not always just a even, it, it takes a long time to move that number. Because for this season, for a long time, and when you look at his stuff on on the website on uh, on the athletic, you can see where for a long time the Blue Jackets were very low until they shot up. And part of that is based on their win streak, but also Ellis Morris Lincolns and all that. And then a lot of his teams, you can see where they either start the season high and then drop, or different things there. Um, a lot of teams are oddly somewhat close to where they kind of started the season. Not a lot of teams jumped a lot uh, right away, but. But it's interesting to see where he's got him at. Um, according to his projections, if the playoffs were to start today, um, you would have the Blue Jackets, or if the Blue if the playoffs happen according to his projections, the Blue Jackets, I guess, don't make it, even though they're at a fifty six percent chance. Um, the the way he he does it, and he explained this to some people online the other day, is essentially since each conference has eight playoff spots there is 800% to divide amongst all the different teams um, throughout the course of the season. And when you look at the East, he has got 
I want to say it's it's four teams in the East: the Bruins, the Capitals, the Lightning, uh, and the Penguins. So he's got four teams at a just about a 100% chance they're going to make it. Pittsburgh's a 99. But essentially, once that happens, then every remaining team is left fighting for, I guess in this case, the 501% or whatever it would be. It's a, Since four of them are locked up, or 401% left um, amongst the rest of the teams. And in the East, there is no small shortage. He's got you know the Islanders, the Maple Leafs, the Flyers, the Hurricanes, the Panthers, the Blue Jackets. After the Blue Jackets, it is quite a drop to the next East team on his on his projections, which is Montreal is like a six percent chance. So I mean, giving you an idea, he's got Toronto at a seventy six percent chance, and then the Flyers sixty seven, Carolina fifty seven, Florida fifty nine, Blue Jackets fifty six. Now he does have a projection for the Panthers to finish with less points than the Hurricanes, and but and, but the reason the Panthers have a better chance of making the playoffs is. In the East, they have another spot they have a chance for. In the wet, in the whereas in the the set the Metropolitan, that that competition for that third spot is going to be tough. Now, the real NHL standings where they show things as of today. The Blue Jackets with their win today uh, against against Montreal climb into the third wild card spot. Now, where that's a little deceiving is they're in the third spot at sixty five points. But the team right behind them is the Islanders with 64 points. But the Islanders have played three fewer games. Um, also looking at that, now the Islanders have two less regulation or overtime wins. So for the Blue Jackets to hang on to their spot, essentially in those three games that the Islanders are going to play to make up, the Blue Jackets could only let them get, the Blue Jackets only want them to get one point. Because if they're tied in points, the Blue Jackets have more regulation wins. Now, Obviously, the Islanders could, if they just win one game in that, they get two points, they leapfrog the Blue Jackets. If they win two games, they tie Blue Jackets in the regulation overtime wins, then definitely jump ahead in points. Now, we still got a long way to go this season. Um, but apart from that, where the Blue Jackets are in a good spot right now is every team behind them, so Carolina, they're at 63 points with 52 games played, so even if they win and tie in points, they don't get the tiebreaker over the Jackets as of yet. Philadelphia, if they win, they're even further back in regulation or overtime wins, so they wouldn't be there. Florida is where the Islanders are. They've only played 50 games. Now, if they win their three uh, and, and get those, what, get, what, six points out of those three games, that puts them at 66, so they would be ahead of the Blue Jackets. Um but again, that's only if they win all three, because right now they would have to win all three to get ahead of them, and they don't have as many regulation overtime wins. So the Blue Jackets have a good, a little bit of a, a lead, at least in that wild card right now, that they're working with. Now, it's it's so close, and there's so many games left to play, you can't just let that be. Um, I mean, the Blue Jackets are on a tear right now. They're 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10 to get to where they are. Florida at 7-3 in their last 10 are right on the edge. And then after Florida, there's that big drop-off down to Montreal. Now, Montreal, they have 55 points. So they are, what are they? They're eight points out of the last playoff spot. No, nine points out of the last playoff spot since that's 63 there. But the, no, I'm doing my math wrong. Five, six, seven, eight. They're eight points out of the last playoff spot. But the difference there, too, is they've played two more games than Carolina, who's in that last playoff spot right now. So, 
Montreal's definitely a, a step back in what's going on. I mean, the Rangers probably have a better chance than them at this point, but we're really getting into seeing kind of a who's in, who's out. And it's interesting because in a lot of seasons, you don't get that as distinct. Um, like the West right now is a bit of a mess when it comes to who's in and who's out because I mean, the last wildcard team is at 59 points. And, I mean, I think you would say even Minnesota's still in because they've got three games less, and if they win their three in hand, they're right there in the spot. So in the West, I would say pretty much the California teams are pretty much out. San Jose, Anaheim, and Los Angeles. Whereas in the East, you've got five, you know, six teams out. Montreal, the Rangers, the Sabres. Uh, the Senators, the Devils, and the Red Wings. So I think you're getting a little more difference there. And that may work some in the trade deadline. We'll see how that goes. I, I think the trade deadline this year is going to be a little bit of a dud personally, but that's just where I think we're going for it right now. Me talking about who I think is just out of it and who's who's not... Um, I, I, for the most part, it lines up with, with what we're seeing in different projections and whatnot, that once you start getting past, like Montreal, once you get to Montreal, Montreal's at a 6% chance, according to Don LeShusian's projections. He gives the Wild only a 20% chance. That's why I was saying they were kind of on the outside looking in. But, yeah, a lot of those teams we talked about, the California teams are pretty much down to almost a 0% chance. The Sabres, the Devils, all the, the Senators, all those teams are at 0 or 1% chance of making the playoffs. So we're something a little interesting about this season is we are seeing a clear delineation of a group of teams right now. I'd say about a third of the league from what we're looking at. What five, probably six in the West, depending on how you count those last teams, five or six team, four teams in the West, six teams in the East. So about a third of the league right now is just, is, is probably out of it going into these, these last weeks right before the trade deadline. So a little different than what I think we've seen in the past, because it seems like in the past we've seen a lot of situations where teams are, a lot of teams are still thinking they're in it. Now, going to how the Blue Jackets have had in their last two games here, I would say for what's happened, if in a vacuum you'd said to me, oh, they're going to they're gonna lose in overtime at Buffalo, and then they're going to beat Montreal in Montreal. I wouldn't be real happy about the loss in Buffalo, but if we come out of the vacuum and you tell me, well, you know, they're going to be coming off what's almost a 10-day break, and then they're going to play a back-to-back, and they're going to get three out of four points, and their both games are on the road, and they're afternoon games, I'd be pretty happy with that. That's, that is a solid a solid get for the Blue Jackets, in, in my mind, to get those ones. The, the, the game in... Buffalo, it's almost become just a, a joke around the NHL that when you've got your first game back from the break, unless the other team's coming back as the first game back from a break, you just kind of count on losing because the other team's been playing. I mean, Buffalo played two games before they played that game against the Blue Jackets. They'd had just dispiriting losses, so the idea is that they were trying to rally the troops. And from what I was able to tell from Buffalo media, people really felt like that was a big win for them to get that overtime winner. And... It's one of those things that shows you just that Jack Eichel is the center of that team. My goodness, is he the center of that team? Because they, they're right now they are not 
they're they're not doing well. Um, they had a great start to the season, but they're falling apart now. But focusing on the Jackets, that first game against the Sabers, I, I don't know. It just things felt discombobulated. Things felt like they just weren't on their game. Um, that's that's what it felt like watching the game. Now, it's it's interesting because then when I look at the stats after the game. It, it, they came out with a higher expected goals for than the Sabers. Um, it, it just—I it, think Aaron Portsline, when he wrote about the game, he talked about it as being a game of almost, and I think that's probably the best way of looking at that game, where it was a lot of almost scoring chances, a lot of things that just didn't go quite right, things that were, you know, a pass that just goes off the wrong end of the the stick, the the the, the Wenberg non-goal probably being the best example of it. A situation where a puck's coming right to him and things would have been perfect if his stick had just been a few inches the other way or the puck had been a few inches a different way. Because the way it comes off just his skate, it's kind of the definition of what the NHL calls kicking motion, even though it's it's not. He turns his skate to slow down to try and make a play and the puck goes in. I mean, it was that kind of game where just everything was uh, just a little off. Um, Montreal, and it's... This is one of those games where I feel like I disagree with the numbers a little bit. Now, in Corsi 4, I mean, yeah, when you adjust for 5-on-5, the Canadians did more shooting than the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets in this game, in my mind, against the Canadians did a much better job of playing the game their way. And, And when I say that, what I'm talking about is you look at the... um heat maps for shots for the blue jackets they got a lot of their shots right in that goal area real close um right around right down main street there right coming down the slot uh they did get a goal from from near the top of the right circle whereas with the canadians they were getting let me look at all situations here and change the map a little bit um, but the Canadians, the Blue Jacks are doing a much better job of pushing team, uh, pushing the Canadians back out to the outside again. Um, I mean, as an example of, of what that looks like, they had some shots. They had a, a real dark spot on the heat map as far as how many shots they took from almost near the blue line on the on the right side. And the Blue Jacks felt like they were doing a much better job. Yeah, now I've got it five on five looking at the map, all situations. I mean... Yeah, the Blue Jackets did a great job getting pucks in deep, getting and not just throwing the puck in, but taking lots of shots from right in the slot area, right in front of the goalie. And they did a great job of keeping the Canadians to the outside on most of their shots, which is what you really want to see. Um, and that's when they're playing their hockey the best. And and it was the kind of game where at least, and I'd have to go back and look at some of the things again, but there was that first goal the Canadians scored, which was off the bad turnover, which that one's just, that's tough. I mean, the guy got in real close. It was a high danger area. Those ones are tough. And then the two empty netters, I, to my feeling that the last one was a combination of the Shea Weber one is the one I'm really thinking of where Elvis just shouldn't have let it in. It, that should be stopped. I understand that, that, uh, Shea Weber's got a real hard shot, but that's the kind of thing you normally don't let in. That's the kind of thing Elvis normally doesn't. 
I will be honest. The reason I feel better about this Canadians game is when it was over, I feel like the Blue Jackets out outplayed the Canadians more so. Um, and there's certain things in that that I'm talking about. I mean, when you look at five on five and also in, in score and venue adjusted, they had more high danger chances, and and the score the shooting map really su- supports that. Uh, the heat maps really supports that. And so I think you're starting to see this team. I, I think you're seeing the team bounce back from that, from the long break um, from the Buffalo game and coming back into playing the way they should be. Um, looking at the season, we're starting to finally get some guys who are racking up some goals. I, it's taken long enough. My goodness. Um, we've got Oliver Brookstrand up to 17 now. Pierre Dubois at 15. Wierenski's at 15. Cam's at 12. Um, Pierre-Luc is getting a lot of assists recently. He's into that 24 assists now. So he's he's leading the club in assists, which is really cool to see his development into that, into that number one type center. Um, so I'm really happy to see that. I think that's a great move going forward for this team. Something we've been seeing a lot of. Especially now that they've been at, the Blue Jackets seem to be locking up some of these, some of these AHL guys who've come up to help the team. Uh, Eric Robinson got a deal. Nathan Gerby got a two-year deal, which makes him essentially making almost league minimum in the NHL. But when he gets sent down to the A, he's apparently one of the league's highest-paid players at the A levels now. So, so good for him. I'm happy to see him get that kind of deal. But it's. I uh, saw someone respond on Twitter today saying, "Okay, well, you guys need to honor, announce something about Dubois." And the Dubois deal expected over the summer. The guy's going to be an RFA. The number I'm starting to think as I look more and more at what I'm seeing is, and and I think Nashville's kind of set the market for this a little bit because it's what uh, it's what they paid Johansson and it's what they put uh, Duchesne on, which is if you are a number one center or if we think you're a top line center or a top six center, but you're not. Crosby, McDavid, Matthews. You're not super elite superstar, but you're really good. You are a number one center in this league. A number one center you can play really well with. Um, I think 8 by 8 is probably the deal we're looking at for Pierre-Luc Dubois or something like that. I mean, if it if it comes out and it's 8 by 9 or 7 by 8 or 7 by 7.5 or something, I don't know. I, I The thing I would be surprised at is if the Blue Jackets didn't go for as much term as they could. Or if they didn't do a, uh, what they did with Wierenski and essentially do a bridge deal. Because um, it's possible they may say, oh, well, let's give him two or three years at five. And then when he gets to that last RFA deal, then there's a setup for eight years at nine or ten. That wouldn't surprise me at all either to see that. So you could see a bridge deal. Um, but I think that would be done in the mindset of, okay, and then after that, I mean, I can almost see during the negotiations them saying, we want to do a bridge deal because, you know, you're an RFA now. And then when you're going to be a, you know, when you were buying UFA years, we're really going to pay you. I could see the team uh, making that decision with how they want to handle things. But it'll happen. Don't don't worry, folks. They're going to sign Pierre-Luc Dubois. That is a centerpiece of this team and where this team is going going forward. So... Coming into next week, um, we're actually going to be, we actually get hockey games. It's so amazing. 
man, you don't real I don't realize how much I miss Blue Jackets hockey until I go a few days without having getting to watch it. Um, one more game before our next show. Uh, Florida Panthers come to Columbus. That'll be a big one because, uh, as we've discussed, this is a team that is chasing the Blue Jackets when it comes to that wild card, and it's a team that doesn't that they that has games in hand over Columbus. So if Columbus can, you know, especially if Columbus can beat them in regulation, if the Blue Jackets, if, if they can do it, just to get those extra points and to take away one of the opportunities for Florida to get catch up. Um, I'm not sure what Florida's schedule looks like coming up. I'm not sure what a lot of these teams do. I know I'll be watching just a ton of hockey over the next few days uh, as this is all happening. But I'm I'm personally excited for where things are going on this. Um some, some one thing I liked doing while we were while we were kind of filling in uh, there a little bit was discussing what games to watch on those nights when the Blue Jackets aren't playing. And what I'm looking at is Monday night. I think the obvious answer is Florida and Toronto. Um, now Philly plays Detroit, so that's another game that's going to be important to the Blue Jackets. But Florida and Toronto should also just be a good game. Um, it's on. If, if yeah, obviously, if you have NHL TV or you have you know the NHL packages or whatever cable, you can watch it or anything. But it is an ESPN Plus game, so if you have that or if you have it as part of your Disney Plus bundle or whatever you might have, you can watch Florida Toronto, which will be important for the Blue Jackets. For first of all, it'll be a good game because Florida and Toronto are two pretty good teams, but also you run into the Blue Jackets being able to put put up a little something on on Florida. Obviously, Tuesday night you're watching the Jackets um, play Florida. Another thing that makes that Blue Jackets game really fun, or that, that Blue Jackets game interesting come come Tuesday night, is that Florida will be on night two of a back-to-back. And night one, they will have been in Toronto, which Toronto is a team that can run teams around. So it'll be interesting to see who the Blue Jackets get to in net, if they get Bob or if they get the backup. Then Wednesday night, um, just a couple of games, Toronto and the New York Rangers, Boston and Chicago... I mean, if I'm going to pick one, I'm probably picking Toronto and New York. Because, uh, again, Toronto may factor into our calculations a little bit with the wild card. Probably not. Um, but, again, see where the Rangers are at. See what they're doing. I, I don't get the sense the Rangers are going to be a threat this season. But in the coming seasons, they'll they'll start building over time. Um, so, so you got my picks for the week on where to go with that. Last thing I want to talk about this week. And if, you've, if you follow me on Twitter, at ShootOncePod, You've probably seen me harping on it a lot. But in, in recent weeks, I've seen it more and more. Um, I've had a change in my in my work situation where I get to see some more things, have a TV on in the background and whatnot. And so I've seen more like daytime ESPN and daytime sports television and whatnot. And NBCSN, Fox Sports and all those. So I'm just kind of a big sports nerd altogether. And I am more and more convinced every day that the NHL has to find a way back on ESPN in the next deal. And the reason I say that is... So if you're NBC, your big sports are the NFL, the Olympics, the National Hockey League, Premier League Soccer... And then you're getting into like NASCAR and they got some motorsports and some things they throw on, on NBCSN and all that. But they the way they treat the NHL as far as treating it, trying to treat it like a premier property is ridiculous. 
let me throw some examples out there. Today, I sit down to watch uh, the beginning of the, the Washington Peng- Washington Capitals versus the Penguins game on Sunday. It's their big national game. because They do a national game of the week that they put on NBC, so the proper broadcast channel, not NBCSN. And the game starts at 1230. In my mind, I'm like, okay, so if I turn it on at noon, there'll be like a pregame or something. No, there's there's paid programming. There's like an infomercial. Then when the game comes on, there's like seven or eight minutes of them talking about the game before they play it. And that's the big national game. What is that? What are you doing? Um, if you watch, if you if you follow the programming for what they do for the NHL, there is... The only studio shows done for the NHL are pre- and post-game shows for games. To put that in context, they do uh, a big thing on Saturday mornings. They do Premier League mornings where like an hour before and then in between every game on weekends, they do a bunch of people talking Premier League, which is great. I mean, I'm not saying they shouldn't do things for Premier League. I'm just saying these things should be done for the NHL. Um at night, they do, like, Premier League Goal of the Weeks, and they do other shows where they talk about it. And then during the week, for an hour or two hours every day, they simulcast Sky Sports out of out of, out of of the United Kingdom, which most of it is about soccer and a lot of Premier League, but then there's other random sports in there. And so there's no real studio show for the NHL. Now, in comparison, if I switch over to ESPN or if I switch over to Fox Sports, they've got shows on all day that are talking mostly, at this point, now that football's over, now that we're done with the NFL, what we're going to be seeing is a ton of talk, especially on the ESPN shows, about basketball because they've got a big NBA deal and they love the NBA there. and It's entertaining. And they're going to talk all about it all the time. And then they have at least once a day, they have an actual studio show they do that's just called ESPN The Jump that people sit around and talk about the NBA. And that's not counting all the radio shows they do. They just have people sit around and talk about the NBA and other stuff. And the NFL, when the NFL season's in, in swing, because the NFL's huge. But nobody's pushing NHL discussion. In American sports television, nobody is pushing it during the day. Unless you are on NHL Network, in which case you're just getting reruns of something. But there's nobody pushing NHL talk. And it wouldn't be hard. It wouldn't be hard at all. That's the thing that's that's crazy to me. It wouldn't be hard to put together a studio show. But they just they don't want to do it. So if I'm if I'm NHL the NHL, I'm either going to the NBC and saying, look at all the stuff you do for Premier League, look at how these other leagues treat their major the major things they have rights holders for, and then look at what you do for us. We need more stuff. And a lot of this is me being a selfish NHL fan who wants more good NHL content, more good NHL analysis to look at. Because there isn't a lot. Um, and the NHL Network's hard to get. I'm also, if you're the NHL, you got to look in the mirror. Because NHL Network's not on nearly enough stuff. I think where I live, you have to get, like, you either have to get cable and get one of the highest tiers, or you have to get direct TV and then get a high tier to get it. If you're the NHL, don't be a loser about getting your league on networks. Get your league, get your network on on cable channels for nothing, for close to nothing. You just want eyes on your sport. 
You're not making a bunch of money off that channel. I I don't get it, but but I think there's a lot of things the NHL can do to grow how they do it. But either way, I'm having a lot of fun watching Blue Jackets games. I hope you guys are. Thank you for listening, and go Jackets. This has been the Shoot Once Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Shoot Once Pod.